When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox post-game show. The White Sox drop another series. This is the CHGO White Sox pre, uh, post-game show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into Studio A of the CHGO Studios here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Herb Lawrence is joining me. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Eckernerwall23. Later in the show, we will be joined by Vinny Duber from Guaranteed Rate Field. The White Sox lose this one 5-2 in 10 innings. They drop another series. That is now three in a row. All to AL Central teams. I thought this is going to be a shite division. But apparently the White Sox wanted to have all those teams to have confidence besides the Tigers. And they gave them confidence on opening day. So... I'm just so disappointed. I'm not even mad anymore. Disappointed that the White Sox don't find ways to win games. I know Brad Keller's good, but the bats were piss poor. Yeah, you I'm, should get more hits and more walks. Try walks on for size. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, walks would be a good idea for this uh, anemic offense. But yes, uh, frustrating and disappointing to watch this year, to say the least. It was a, a crazy game, Herb. You were doing a, a podcast while we were uh, doing this for a little bit. So let's go through this game and truly talk about this because it really started to get sloppy in the late innings. Uh, early on, Michael Kopech wasn't finding his stuff, wasn't having control of his breaking balls, but he was getting it done for the most part. He started off a little sloppy in the first inning, walked Nicky Lopez, uh, and then Andrew Benatendi hit a ball to left field, got down, Lopez ends up scoring. They get off to an early one nothing lead, and the story of the day was Brad Keller. Like you said, he's not that good, but he was on it today. I mean, he's good, but you can process these uh, at-bats a little bit better. Like, he's got a sub-3 RA. He does well versus the White Sox. Do something different. You saw mm-hmm. what happened uh, when we faced the pitcher who pitched on, on Monday, Daniel Lynch. Last year, he was terrible versus the White Sox. He went into the lab this offseason and said, what are they doing to, versus me? What can I do to improve versus them? He did what was necessary on Tuesday to get the dub. The White Sox apparently don't find that to be a useful thing because they have the same at-bats versus Brad Keller as they always do. Yep, and uh, it showed. We'll get into the rough, rough offensive stats, but we can just sum it up by bottom of the first, three up, three down. Bottom of the second, three up, three down. Bottom of the third, three up, three down. Bottom of the fourth, Herb, it's three up, and it is three down. Bottom of the fifth, three up, and three go down. And it's not until the bottom of the sixth after A.J. Pollock, A.J., or uh, what is it? Alan, Alan Lorenz. Alan Lorenz Pollock flies out. Reese McGuire grounded out to second base. And then in the bottom of the six, when you least expect it, the nine hitter, Yuri Garcia, pulls one down the line and makes it 2-1. The Stocks get their first run in the bottom of the six. The Royals scored in the top of the fifth when Andrew Benatendi hit a sacrifice fly to left field. Cam Gallagher scored. So it was 2-1 after the bottom of the six. But Yuri getting on the board here, finally showing up this season. And we said it before the, the game. Lurie's the best hitter versus Brad Keller. Whatever he's doing, he needs to show it to his teammates because he can see him very well. Ah, just 
to <laughs> get one run, and that run is provided by one of your worst players offensively. A guy a guy who was batting under 100 going yes. into this game. He's on the interstate now. I think he's 116. So, uh, I just, you have a bunch of people on that team. And there's one that's really good. I still think that Andrew Vaughn is an elite hitter. He had some decent at bats today, too. But all the rest. And it starts at the top. And I'll get more into what Tim did today. But 0 for 4, you're going to have those days. But he's had a lot of those days lately. He is the straw that serves the drink. And he gets blamed when the drink is uh, sour and crappy and doesn't take walks. Yeah. So it's and, on you, Tim, too. Yes. And, and you want the responsibility of leadoff hitter? When you don't perform and the team doesn't perform, that's on you. Amen. And we can just look at it with the airs. He's leading the team right now in airs, and he didn't have any today. Um, so we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll, had, we'll blast him today. But. He didn't even fielding airs. He had an air. Well, he had an error. He had a base running error, but at least fielding error. None error actually credit to him yeah. uh, today, but he's still leading the team in errors, and this is the team uh, that leads the league in errors as well. But Herb, they get the big blast from Leary Garcia in the bottom of the six, and how do they follow it up? Uh, you, you're right. Three up, three down. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, right? Um, I wasn't. I was over here so doing that's, the show. <laughs> that's six of seven innings where they go three up and three down. Down an absolutely brutal approach for the, uh, the first seven innings for the Sox, and then going into the bottom of the eighth, two to one, Grandall singled, and then we ended up getting Harrison pinch running for Grandall. Berger then singled to shallow right field, turned to pitch inside out, and then nice. Harrison moved to third base. Pollock hit a skying sacrifice fly into left field. Josh Harrison ends up scoring it. And you want to talk about the throw by Andrew Benatendi here because the ball's up in the air. It keeps getting closer and closer to the diamond. Benatendi's charging at it, charging at it. And I hear Herb saying, don't send him, don't send him. And then Herb, what happened with the throw? Oh, my God. I don't know if he didn't mean to throw the ball because it, like, Wormbergered it, and that's a gold glove left fielder out there in Andrew Benintendi. Anybody else would have been thrown out, and Josh Harrison doesn't have elite speed, so he was in the middle of left field when he threw that ball. If he throws it like he regularly does, he's out by at least five feet. I didn't want him to be sent because I thought that he was going to be out by five feet, yeah. but if you're going to throw a ball like that every time, hell, send him. Well, and let's talk about that because you're right. I mean, a joke of a throw. You refer to it as a TBS. Very funny. Yeah. Uh, it hits Type the booty syndrome. outfield grass before it hits the infield grass. That usually lines up to a bad throw. An easy run scored by Harrison, but... You were against sending him. Yes. I was for sending him. Mm -hmm. And when you get into a game like this, where you have six out of the seven innings, where you go up three down, or three up, three down, and you don't have a runner on third base until this moment, of course you're going to send him. When the offense is this anemic, you have no choice but to be aggressive when you get someone in that position. That... A, you know, a possible tricky play right there, a possible you know bang bang play, yeah. not an easy sacrifice score, fly to score on unless Andrew Benatendi completely you know biffs the throw here. Yeah, this is why you need more production. This is why you need more walks. This is why you need more hits. This is why you need a better approach because this is the only opportunity that you had outside of Liuri Garcia putting one over the wall to score a run today. I think you do process or results. You do not force things just because you are struggling. You continue what you do. And if you think that Josh Harrison is not going to make it home on an Andrew Benintendi throw, don't do it just because you're struggling. The team is struggling. Keep your steely reserve about yourself and make sure that you do what you do all the time. So I think the White Sox got lucky there because Andrew Benintendi usually 
He's a solid thrower, accurate thrower. So, yeah, congratulations. The results were good, but I think the process was wrong. And then the next at-bat, we have Reese McGuire coming up. And, Herb, this was a shot off the bat of Reese McGuire. It would have scored Harrison easily out to the warning track, right center, right up against the wall, 101 off the bat. And we see it again. Anything that has a launch angle above 30 degrees will get taken down by the wind. Bobby Witt had it happen to him earlier. Jake Berger had it happen to him earlier in the season. And here we go. Reese McGuire could have ended the game with a big fly, uh, but not able to get it done. The balls have just been killing the Sox. Yeah, and the wind was starched coming in from right field. So I thought off the bat, you thought off the bat. I'm sure Reese McGuire thought off the bat, gone. We're winning eight in the eighth inning. Got our closer coming in or Aaron Bummer coming in the ninth. Game's over. Mm-hmm. Nope. No such luck. Caught at the warning track. How many times have we seen that? How many times have we seen warning track power from the White Sox on balls hit over 100 miles per hour? It's been way too many. It's been frustratingly way too many. Yeah, it's it's been, honestly, we've said frustrating. We've said disappointing. It's perplexing at this point uh, with the, the Sox offense and how hard they're hitting balls. You look around the league and home runs per plate appearances are completely and drastically down all around the league. And you know, I, I understand that people don't like using the balls as an excuse. I'm not using it as an excuse right now because the White Sox have, again, using the same process and getting the same results. You understand this. You understand that the MLB is playing with balls, and I know it's just MLB. The MLB is playing with balls that so are completely wire. different. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> those are completely different than baseballs. Um, <laughs> come on, Herb. Sorry. <laughs> 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 Come on, I'm trying to make a point here. Uh, sorry about Manscaped that. Manscaped isn't even on this podcast. We, yeah, uh, we heard it earlier from Kevin. <laughs> How did he get through that one? Was he all right? Yeah. Yeah, that one's... Uh, got to go to a confession now, but it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's, hey, it's, it's, it's all natural. God gave it to us. Uh, but Your boss will thank relying you. on home runs is just absolutely brutal. And this is what this team is doing. They're hitting the hell out of the ball. They're chasing fastballs early in the count. And teams are eating it up. Because, yes, the weather is you know difficult. It's cold. The ball's not going to fly as much. The wind has been a factor. The balls are a factor. But all teams are playing with the same factors and the same balls. The Kansas City Royals scored five runs today. How did they do that? You're not looking at what the other team is doing to win. It's not just the White Sox are not executing. It's not like all the players on the White Sox are the only players in Major League Baseball right now not executing. You see you know, poor execution from Aaron Bummer today in the 10th inning. You see poor execution from Andrew Benatendi. You see poor execution from Josh Stamount. But here's the difference. The Royals are taking advantage of those you know, the, the, the lack of a short spring. They're, they're being patient. They're making sure that they have guys on base. They have a better approach at the plate. The White Sox, over the past nine games, past ten games, have it. One and nine in their past ten. And with the Royals, no matter what you see there, they don't make errors. They've got like three on the year. Three. Mm-hmm. While the White Sox are leading the league with 20. You can say what you want, but it's cold for everyone. It's cold for the Royals. Cold for the White Sox. I don't need the weather to improve for the White Sox to have good process up the at the plate. See ball, hit ball, but also we saw we talked about it. The ball's not going on the plate out, out of the ballpark. So we need to change what we're doing temporarily to get some runs in. What are we doing? Hitting balls on the first on the first pitch. That's garbage. We know that we're not going to be driving balls out of the plate. You saw that Reese McGuire hit a ball as hard as you can hit it. Mm-hmm. And it's a warning track. 
Bobby Witt hit so it let's, harder, so and let's, it's still warning track. So let's process a little bit more. Let's allow Brad Keller to throw these pitches over the plate. And if Brad Keller can get three sliders over the plate, tip the cap and go back. But you're chasing his pitches, though. You're chasing his pitches and grounding out. You're chasing his pitches and striking out seven times with only getting one walk late in the game. And that was an unintentional, intentional walk to Andrew Vaughn because that pitcher, Stylemount, knew no, that was Barlow. That was Barlow. Saw what uh, Andrew Vaughn did yesterday to him. He's like, no, sir, I'm good. I'd rather face that former MVP over there. Well, let's get to that. Top of the ninth, Aaron Bummer comes in. He hits Oliveris with a pitch. Then Lopez grounds into a fielder's choice. And then Merrifield gets a ground, uh, a, a double play. So Bummer gets out of the inning. He looked fine there. Uh, you know, a little shaky. He hit a pitch, but also... Hit by pitches are up. Josh, or Aaron Bummer has this crazy slider with a lot of movement. I don't understand how the seams are affecting his breaking balls. I don't want to use that as an excuse, but this guy does have a breaking ball, a slider that moves like crazy. So hit by pitches are going to be something that happens. Now, I'm not trying to excuse his walks, and we'll get to that in the bottom of the 10th inning, or the top of the 10th inning, but... So far, you know, through nine innings, I was fine with the decision that Tony LaRusso made to put Aaron Bummer out in the ninth inning. Bottom nine, Anderson grounded out to the shortstop, and this is what we've been waiting to talk about here. Herb, you didn't like the effort by T.A. on this play. It was piss poor. You saw the replay. He hits a ball to the shortstop. The throw is up the line a little bit. You see him just kind of like putting his head down, jogging to first base, and then he gets his hustle on when he sees that Carlos Santana is off the bag and then tries to avoid him and gets tagged out right before he touches first base. It's important. It's vital. No matter if you're losing, winning, giving 100% is not a thing I should ask for. It's a thing that should be automatic. And you're the leader, Tim. We give you credit when we say the offense is going right. We're going to give you blame right here. That's piss poor. That's garbage. You need to hustle out of the box. And I'm not those guys who are punitive. I'm not a guy who say, sit down, Tim Anderson. But he, tonight, he's got to look himself in the mirror and understand that he didn't give 100% and know that from here on out, that is expected 100% every time you're out there running the bases. I don't care. This game and the White Sox right now can't afford garbage like that. Cannot afford it. They're scratching over two runs a game. So I don't want Tim to sit down because he's a grown man. But somebody's got to talk to him. Yeah, He's got to talk to himself. Has some accountability. I hope Vinny and them talk to him. I hope he shows up in the uh, media room. And they stick a mic in front of his face. Say, Timmy, what happened? And take accountability. And say, that was on me. I struggled. I didn't give 100%. This, that is on me. Not the loss in general, but you're setting the tone. You want to be the leader? This is what leaders do. They make sure that when they fall short, they take the blame and let everybody know that they fall, fail short. Well, and we've seen this a couple times in the chat. Uh, Edgar saying we've seen a lot of running to first and guys getting injured, and I think there was another one as well talking about how Aloy uh, gave 100%. Yeah, Abraham Garcia saying Aloy gave 100%. Now he doesn't have tendons. Well, he um, lunged for the bag. He gave 100%, but he did a dumb thing where you're supposed to hit the front of the bag. He hit the back of the bag. So you can give 100%, but... You've been playing baseball for a long time. I played baseball up to high school. I knew that you don't hit the back of the bag. So 
Yeah, get that. Get out of here with that. Well, <laughs> You're giving 100 percent is expected. That, it's not. It's not a thing where they get hurt. I don't give a goddamn. Run out the baseball. Run it out. Everyone will have their own opinions on on these plays, and I, I just want to give you know a voice to the fans that are wondering about the injuries because that's not my view I, I do just want to say though because that, that is something I saw on Twitter too like do we really want TA busting it down the line yes. when we've seen Luis Robert and Aloy Jimenez mm-hmm. uh hurt absolutely you are one in nine in your last 10 Tim Anderson doesn't need a day off you know what Tim Anderson needs to do he needs to start hitting the damn ball he needs to start driving in runs he needs to start scoring runs for the Chicago White Sox let's look back at yesterday how many runs did TA score in the White Sox won right? At least two. over two. Yeah. So this is a part of, you know, being a leader. This is a part of stepping up and, and doing the damn thing. And you wanting can't to be the leadoff on, guy. Yeah. And you can't go onto the radio last year and be like, fuck it. We're the best team in the American league. Tim, you're not right. You talk all this shit and it hasn't been backed up just yet. And I understand like, I, I, I love TA. He is a fantastic player to watch when everything is on and going. But right now, when you are in just the dumps of a one in eight stretch and you're about to lose one out of nine or or I guess nine out of ten you need to step up I mean this is the ninth inning in a tie game you don't know what that run will do you don't know what that base runner will do because then maybe they don't walk Andrew Vaughn maybe they don't give four free pitches to Andrew Vaughn a team that's not walking here finally gets a gift of a base runner and the White Sox aren't even hustling out to try to get that gift I mean if, if, if Andrew Benatendi can make a bad play throwing home on Josh Harrison, uh, whoever the damn shortstop is, I'm so pissed off. I can't think about it right now. Is it Nicky Lopez today? Nicky Lopez. Yeah, Nicky Lopez. If Nicky Lopez makes a play that brings Santana up the line, you might be safe and you get a base runner. And let's look. Andrew Vaughn has the most RBIs after the seventh inning for the Chicago White Sox. Putting pressure on a guy who just blew a save in Scott Barlow, then putting up the guy who just did the damage yesterday, who's in his mind, that's pressure. I don't understand where his mind was on that play. You need to be better. You absolutely need to be better because you are nine. You've lost nine out of ten. I mean, I don't know how to keep saying that. I mean, like, that's horrible, horrible effort in the ninth inning of a tie ball game. Yes, you want to stay healthy, but also you can't be afraid to play baseball. You have 140-something games ahead of you. You might get injured. You can't be scared to, though. You have to win baseball games because the whole important thing is to play 162 so you can go on and play the next 12 or 15 or whatever and have one of these things come into your, your, your life. You can have a 2022 version of the parade, right? We've been promised that by the general manager, but here we are, 7-11. I don't know if we're going to be able to talk to him after the parade. No, there won't be a parade. I mean... This is what, is he going to be at the St. Patrick's Parade? What, are we going to go talk to him down in, uh, you know, downtown, you know? We're going to see Rick Khan on St. Paddy's? Like, that's the parade I'll see him at. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean to harp on him too much, but Sean said it perfectly. You just have to do it. And I hope when we get a call from Vinny that he was available, that he spoke to the media, and he took oh. accountability for his lack of hustle. And you know, let's slow down here. Hector's saying if the Sox are out of it by the trade deadline, they need to start trading away people. They can't take this team into 2023. Who are you going to trade? What are we doing here? Like what? They're all signed for long-term deals. They're all, this, that's the point of this team. That is the point of the spending is to make sure that this team's window is open to 2029. That is what they've told you. They don't think that one bad year here 
is going to make them break this whole thing down. I don't really think that you're going to see sweeping changes after you know 2022 if it's a if it's a bad season. You might see a, a managerial change. You might see some coaching changes. You might see stuff like that. But they are not getting rid of players that they have song, signed for long-term deals. Our guy Mailman Jack says 7-Eleven. I'll take a Slurpee. <laughs> this is not very convenient. I don't like it no, at all. No, it's not convenient. That's an that's a Ed Farmer line. Yes. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Sky Point to the, the that's the almighty Sky Point there is uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Ed Farmer. But yeah, uh, the parade we throw when he gets canned is what Alex uh, Rude says. I, I really want to talk about just the bullpen right now. Uh, we got Vinny joining us. I don't want to. I don't want to bring down the mood. Let's let's do an ad read real quick. The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now. You get two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars. That's not it. If you make a fifty dollar or more first time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. That's two thousand dollars in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free T-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making more than a fifty dollar first time deposit at PointsBet. If you have questions, you can email PointsBet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. PointsBet is your home for live in-play betting, and it just got even better introducing PointsBet's newest feature, the live NBA same-game parlay. For the first time ever, you can build the perfect live NBA same-game parlay only with PointsBet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game, and if you want more, you can boost your live same-game parlays. You can watch live, parlay live, and boost live with PointsBet. Online signup is available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish, all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the uh, best sports book faster than ever. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life. Points bet. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-522-4700. Hi, Vinny. We need some positivity. Hi. Hi, guys. I can smile for you. I don't think it's going to change the result of the game, though. Uh, no, I mean, we're trying to be positive. We're trying no, we're not, not to blow a we're gasket not, here. We're not trying uh, to be positive. It, it's been tough. CHGO White Sox beat writer Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. Who'd you talk to after the game today? So, uh, Michael Kopech, uh, uh, you know, they're waiting on him still over there, but I wanted to join you guys and talk about what we heard from Aaron Bummer uh, and Tony La Russa here post-game, obviously, because, uh, you know, the 10th the inning there kind of kind of fell apart, and so there was a lot of talk about, uh, about Aaron and, and how things aren't going so well for him after the game. What's the most interesting thing that happened in, in the locker room? Was it from Aaron or was it from Tony? Well, Tony kind of identified Aaron as a guy who who is maybe trying a little too hard. And we heard, we talked to Liam Hendricks a lot about that topic yesterday. He said that he is a guy that's doing that and that the, the team has to work on that. Tony said that was maybe part of his message, uh, you know, on, on Tuesday, uh, you know, the, the night of that 11-walk uh, game against Kansas City. Uh, and then, you know, more problems today kind of in that same vein. So, uh, you know, he – Tony said he thought Aaron is a, one of those guys that's pressing a little bit. Uh, Aaron didn't totally agree, but but didn't you know say that that wasn't the issue. Um, basically, he said it comes down to he's not doing his job right now. He's not uh, he's not really uh, you know doing what he wants to be doing out there, which which is obvious, of course. But you know, uh, that, I think that's something that that fans always kind of um, forget sometimes is that uh, you know they they look at the guy and they go that guy's that guy's bad. He's not doing good right now. Those guys know, and it's bothering them way more than it's bothering you guys. And uh, certainly right now with the way that the injuries are, are, are hitting the White Sox, um, you know, putting together the, the bullpen there, and especially in the late innings, is, is maybe not as easy as it might seem. Uh, you've got Liam Hendricks, who was dealing with some back issues, uh, you know, in the last few days. Kendall Graveman threw two innings yesterday. Both those guys were, were saying that they could go today, of course, but, uh, you know, it sounded like Tony was saving Liam in case they needed to, you know, needed a save. Uh, and 
you know, and Graveman, maybe he was shying away from uh, after the two-inning outing yesterday. Obviously, Joe Kelly on the way back. He'll be at a, a rehab assignment this weekend in Charlotte. But uh, right now, Aaron Bummer's still part of that late-inning group. And, I, I mean, the numbers obviously are what they are. I, I think I just looked through it. And, what, he's got one outing this year in which he hasn't put somebody on base. So, you know, it's, it's the last two games, obviously, uh, probably the worst of that. But uh, it's been an issue all year, and uh, he's, he's searching for solutions. Given all the factors, I actually didn't mind Aaron Bummer come out for a second inning, you know, uh, how he pitched in the ninth inning, uh, the availability of other people today. Ruiz wasn't available because he already pitched early in the game. Did Aaron speak about specifically the pitch that got away from Reese McGuire? Was it a miscommunication or just Reese just botched that one? Uh, I don't know. He was not. Aaron was not asked about it. Tony was, and and didn't really seem to to know. Maybe he hasn't talked with with those guys yet, and didn't really know what the issue was. But uh, yeah, I mean that obviously was the go ahead run, and you know you make you, you make life a lot harder on yourself when you don't catch the ball, as the White Sox found out over the last couple uh, you know week and a half or so. So uh, yeah, it's another one of those plays that you, you shake your head and, and and it looms so large, right? I mean, we, we saw how many errors, uh, you know, over the last week and, and now, you know, they get that win yesterday and kind of wipe the, the, that bad taste that had been lingering for so long out of their mouths. And then right at the end, I mean, they, they pitched well enough through nine innings to, to be able to win this game today, even when the bats weren't doing anything and they were fielding the ball and they caught the ball. And then right at the end there, what happens? You get, you get a pass ball, you get a couple walks and that's how the game gets away from you. So, you know, you, you look at, they, they talk about performing well in every facet. You can perform well in probably two and still win a major league baseball game, but you can't let more than one of those slip away from you. And that's what happened at the tail end of, of today's game. And uh, we got Luis Roberts, uh, Gluteus Maximus, saying maybe all the mustaches should be shaved. I just want to get a comment from Mr. Mustache here. Dylan Cease is one of the best Sox pitchers. Andrew Vaughn is one of the best Sox hitters. I think there should just be more mustaches. I mean, you know, we haven't done this scientifically, so to speak, but uh, the two heroes yesterday were, were wearing them. Uh, uh, today, the, you know, the, the culprits, if you want to call them that, the guys who, who, who didn't come through, were mustacheless. So, you know, uh, obviously we, that's a small sample size. But, uh, you know, some, some more research might need to be done. This one's staying, though, so, so oh, no, yeah. no worries Never. about that. Good to hear. Uh, Tony talking about pressing. Uh, did he talk about any ways to relieve that? Uh, I mean, what, what's a way for these guys to get back to having fun? Because no one's having fun watching the White Sox, and obviously none of the players are having fun going 1-9 and nine in their last 10. How did they get away from pressing? Did he talk about that, Tony? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it, it's a mindset thing, right? And I think that's what we were talking to Liam Hendricks about yesterday when he was like, man, I'm just trying too hard right now. I've, I know the answer. I, I know how to fix it. I just have to do it. And I think that's basically what Tony's answer was when asked about Bummer or, or just in general today. Uh, he, you know, he's not thinking of, oh, that guy's trying too hard. I need to take him out of the lineup. Or, or, you know, I, I can't pitch him because he's trying too hard. You have to. And those guys have to work through that. And, and I mean, that, I guess, is a silver lining to the season being so long, right, is that you do have the time in order to, to, to work through those things. Obviously, the games count as much in April as they do in September. But you're, you, you, want, you want your players right for the majority of the season. And if right now is the time where they've got to figure it out, they, they've got some time to figure it out. But it is about mindset. And, and if, if that's what Tony's seen from Aaron Bummer or anybody else on this roster, uh, it's on him to kind of 
you know, create the conditions for them to relax. And that's, that's basically what he said is that they've got, you know, they got to take a deep breath and kind of remember, you know, rem to borrow from the Lion King, remember who they are kind of thing. And uh, we'll see if that's, uh, that's, that's the solution that Aaron Bummer is searching for. Did Tony speak to the media about Tim Anderson's lack of hustle there in the ninth inning where it looked like the ball was thrown up the line and he was jogging out of the box and then eventually started to hustle? Tony said he did not see a lack of hustle from Tim Anderson on that play. That was that was the answer he gave. So there you go. Was it that short? It was not. Uh, okay. He said something to the effect of, let me see if I can remember. I don't want to misquote him, obviously, but he said something yeah. to the effect of he believed that Tim was running as hard as he thought he was able to run. It was kind of oddly phrased. So, again, okay. I don't want to misquote him. That seems to be my recollection. Yeah. If there's interest, I can tweet it out later. But uh, that, that seemed to be that, yeah. I, I think people would definitely be interested in that quote, and it makes sense that you don't want to misquote him. So, I, I, you know, it ma makes sense. Um, would, would he, did he talk about an injury at all? I mean, why wouldn't Tim be running 100%? I mean, right, that's kind of what I gathered from that phrasing of that. But, again, he, he – when he said, I didn't see a lack of hustle or, or, you know, he didn't see any, any sort of, you know, I think loafing it was, it was something that somebody on Twitter used it. You know, Tony said he didn't see that from TA and, and, and who knows, maybe, you know, you look at the replay and it's different, uh, but uh, yeah, that's what he said. <sighs> I mean, I, I'm not going to talk to you about it cause you didn't say it, but yeah, I'm just disappointed in Tony's answer. I mean, he maybe has a different view than I did, and I saw some lack of hustle there, and I'm very disappointed in what Tim does there because he's the leader, and that filters down the rest of the club. It's not, you know, your thing, Vinny, but I don't know if Tony spoke to them about, like, I've been through the wars, I've been through the battles, this shall pass. Is there anything that he said that's like, hey, this team will be fine in this postgame, or was he kind of worried, like, there's some urgency yesterday to win that game. I didn't necessarily see the same urgency today. Did he speak to that? Well, I think I think what you got to remember, one thing that he did say, and I don't know if this directly answers your question, but one thing he did say that I thought was very, you know, important was that, you know, the first three questions were about Aaron Bummer. And what he said was, well, there was, you know, a lot that happened in the game before, you know, other than just how, how, how Aaron pitched. Uh, and I think, you know, whenever, whenever someone talks about a speci one specific play like you just brought up with T.A., uh, I always point to that kind of, you know, uh, explanation, right? I mean, they need to hit Brad Keller better. That, that's what needed to happen today. It's, it's, not, that, it's not that there was one play that, that someone needed to run harder or there was one inning where it all got away from Aaron Bummer. They faced Brad Keller for seven innings and only got a few hits off of him. And that's really what the, the, the reason they lost today was that. Now, obviously, we can talk about all this other stuff, and it does apply in the big picture, but you got to look at a, a nine inning, or in this case, a 10 inning baseball game for what it is. And if the offense would have done what they did yesterday when they scored seven runs for the second time, uh, for only the second time this season, a little bit more against Brad Keller today, you're talking about a different kind of ball game. Yeah, and the real Matt Latos is asking, did Sean forget to take a shot of Malort during the pregame today? I did. They just stink. It's not on me. I did my job. They didn't do theirs today. Um, let's go into, uh, I want to get your thoughts just on some some weird baseball plays. What would you think about Andrew Benatendi's throw home on the Josh Harrison, uh, you know, sacrifice fly here? It wasn't I guess it good, was, was it? No, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't good, and it, uh, I think the, I think, I mean, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that it was raining all game and that maybe the ball slipped on him when he threw. Uh, but, yeah, 
watching it from the press box, we got the uh, we got the, we had the same reaction as you did, I'm sure, which was not close, not close at home plate. Herb, when the ball was in the air, Herb was like, "Don't go, don't go, don't go," and then the throw it was happened. Shallow. And I'm like, yeah, it was shallow. You're right, yeah. And yeah, I'm like, what's the gold Glover too? Once the throw happened, I'm like, I'm glad he went. Um, what was the win like today? You mentioned the rain. Uh, we saw Bobby Witt blast a ball through the warning track in left center field. We saw uh, not Jake Berger, but Reese McGuire blast one to right center that didn't get out. Um, what was the win like? And, and was it surprising that some of those balls didn't go out in person? I mean, I, I mean, I'll, I'll give you know again, I'll give the benefit of the doubt and say that the weather was awful. I mean, it was really cold. It was really wet I think it rained a little bit most of the most of the whole game uh and then yeah when we were down there pregame the wind was blowing and it was part of what was making it so chilly down there so um certainly the weather was bad and it was not good conditions to hit in uh at all and you know you always hear the weather warms up the bats usually warm up with it they're pointing to days like today when it is just a miserable experience to play to 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 have to hit uh, that being said, though, we've been kind of seeing that all year, right? Uh, a lot of warning track power all year uh, from both, you know, the White Sox and the teams they've been playing. So uh, the White Sox have not, as it has been oft pointed out on social media, had a very favorable weather schedule so far to start the season. And they've had to deal with these conditions on pretty much a daily basis so far. Um, and maybe that has something to do with it. Uh, but obviously, you know, there's a lot of talk about what's going on across the league as well. Uh, and some of the, the, the power numbers that you're seeing. So, uh, yeah, the weather was bad, but, uh, you know, maybe a bit of a trend, uh, uh, you know, independent of that weather too. And I talk about him when he does poorly, and I give him crap, but I got to give credit. Lurie Garcia coming through once again against Brad Keller. It was a, geni- a stroke of genius by Tony LaRusso to put him in the lineup. He's the best hitter versus Brad Keller in the White Sox lineup. Tony, speak about his uh, Lurie Garcia coming through in that sixth inning with a big-time home run. Yeah, I mean, listen, they needed offense, and he was the only one that gave it to him for a little bit there. Uh, listen, it, I, I think you see the example of why whenever anybody's asked about whether it's Larry Garcia or whether it's any other player that might, uh, you know, fans might have the reaction of, oh, why is he in the lineup? You see examples you know, throughout the season uh, to show you why the manager has confidence in these guys. And, and certainly when the matchups back that up as well, you know, the numbers that, that you see in the matchups back that up as well, uh, you know, that's that's a nice uh, positive outcome for, for the data department right there. But, uh, you know, you're – you understand when you see moments like that why the why these players continue to get the opportunities because they have the confidence of their manager, of their coaching staff, and of the organization uh, in general. So Larry Garcia is here for a reason, guys, and it's not really to hit home runs, uh, but that's what he did today, and it, he showed that he obviously is a contributor uh, like the White Sox keep saying he is. Being in the Sox locker room for the past two days, has there been any vocal frustration about the, the warning uh, the, the the warning track power that has been shown off or the lack of home runs that has happened because I'm really wondering about the Sox process at the plate and their approach at the plate. I really feel like it needs to change up because the weather hasn't been good, but that's not good weather to hit home runs in. Uh, we see that the baseball is affecting the flight of the ball and the home run levels all around Major League Baseball this year, but it really doesn't feel like the White Sox are seeing that data and then you know trying to implement it into their batting approach. And I think we saw that with Brad Keller today. You see 87 seven pitches through seven innings, six of his uh, frames are three up, three down. Was there any talk about an approach today or maybe just frustration about the batted ball data? Yeah, I mean, you're not really you're not really seeing a lot of frustration on that point quite yet. I mean, maybe if you, you ask some, some very specific questions, uh, you know, you'd get that. But I, I think the point 
for today at least was that they thought Brad Keller pitched well. That's what Tony said. Uh, he pointed to the fact that the Royals didn't really do a lot of damage on the scoreboard until the 10th inning either, which is true. Um, you know, I, I think that you've seen from the White Sox an approach that doesn't is not as easy to change, I, th- I think, as, as some others might think. Uh, I think it's very easy to say, hey, you, take more pitches, why aren't you walking more kind of thing. And I think there are so many of these players who have had such career success from doing things a certain way, it's when you get away from playing your game, so to speak, that things can go south on you, and then it's, and then it's even harder to find your way back. And, and I, I, I don't think every player on this team or on any team across baseball is capable of just flipping that switch and saying, all right, I'm going to be a totally different hitter now because the balls aren't flying out of the park. It's an adjustment that can be made over the course of time, absolutely. But I think, you know, from one day to the next, there are certain players who are really good at it, and there are certain players who want to stick with what they've always done because it's gotten them to where they are. And if they see, again, over the course of time, you know, guys have bad months and then have tremendous seasons. That's how, thing, that's how baseball works. But if you go over the course of time and things aren't working – then the adjustments are going to come, and then you might see some some different things. Obviously, it's frustrating in the moment if you're watching the team and you want them to perform on a daily basis, uh, but it is something, baseball in general, is something that takes a big sample to to, to make uh, to make you make any changes. Well, and it just felt like today, um, looking at, you know, the biggest issue I have with the Sox is, is one thing that I think they can just change is first pitch strike percentage. I mean, they're they're swinging at everything. They have the highest first percent, uh, first strike percentage in the league by three whole percentages. Uh, they're above the league average by about 8% here. So I just wonder, like, can we just take the first pitch? Like, is, is this that big of a, uh, that big of a, a an, an ide- ideological change here? Like, I, I guess it's just small changes that I would like to see implemented. Uh, but you're, you're right. It is a long season still. And I understand that, you know, Tim Anderson isn't going to hit like this every single month. Jose Bray is not going to hit like this every single month. We know Yasmani Grandal had a really bad April and uh, May last year and then turned it on late into the season. They still don't have you on Moncada. So things can turn around. Same with Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert. A lot of names not clicking right now. So there's definitely uh, ways where you can you know, turn this regression up to, to progression. Uh, one of those ways would be getting guys uh, healthy. Joe Kelly and Moncada start uh, their rehab assignments on Friday. Is there any, been any talk about expectations or length of those stays? That was a question that one of our uh, viewers had a little bit earlier. Yeah, I think uh, Tony said the other day that Joe Kelly would be no fewer than three outings, and you probably aren't going to see him go two days in a row at all during this. So it, <clears throat> if that's the number of days, if you can add those together for the number of days. When it comes to Moncada, uh, he said, uh, uh, Tony said today that he was talking to Moncada, that Moncada looks great working out. And he said, uh, you know, if you, if you can get it done in 15 at-bats, great. And if you need 25, then that's how long you need to stay down there for. It's just kind of a thing where they can feel comfortable. He said, they do, he, you know, you don't want to have a player go down there and they're so itching to come back up that they cut things short shorter than it should be in terms of getting comfortable. They come up here, they struggle, and they have to go through that all over again. Last thing I got for Vinny, it's not baseball related. It's something I've always wanted to ask people who like a certain band. I am a Jamiroquai fan, and so when, uh, what is it, uh, Virtual Insanity or Can't Heat come on, you know, the name brand songs, I usually skip those. You as a Rolling Stone fan, do you like Satisfaction or Start Me Up? Do you push well, play? 
First of all, uh, I have no idea what you were just talking about there, but I do know that Canned Heat is a phenomenal band. So there's there's that at least. You don't know Jamiroquai? Yeah, you're saying the Canned Heat, the song by Jamiroquai. Yeah, the no, song from no. Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, that's the no, song he dances can, to. Canned Heat, the band. Okay. They played at Woodstock. Good stuff. But um, <laughs> to answer your question, Herb, uh, I, I do like Satisfaction quite a bit. I think it's probably one of the, the best uh, Stone songs if I'm talking about objectively. Uh, Start Me Up, I usually skip, but you hear it so much on the radio that, you know, it makes up for it. Uh, I'm a Deep Tracks guy in general, just when it comes to everything. So uh, uh, a lot of my favorites, I, I kind of like the ones that you don't that I haven't been hearing for the last uh, 32 years on, on classic rock radio every single day. So, yeah, to answer your question, a little, little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I like that answer. Let's, uh, let's change this up, too. Let's expand this a little bit more. You got to get rid of one, one of the five. These wow. are the top five most popular songs of the Rolling Stones on Spotify right now. Paint It Black, Can't Get No Satisfaction, Start Me Up, Sympathy for the Devil, Give Me Shelter. One's got to go. Start Me Up, probably. Yeah. Okay. That's the first yeah. song I remember. Although I don't because know. Because of uh, See, the Super Bowl halftime show. Start Me Up and Paint It Black are both very, very, very overplayed. Um, Satisfaction's an all-time great, and then those other two are arguably two of my favorite songs by them. So I'm not—I'm never skipping those two. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think it'd probably be "Start Me Up" just because I've heard it so many times. I think I would go with "Paint It Black." That one doesn't do much for me, but as uh, Luis Roberts' backside says, "In the right situation, start me up slaps hard." I mean, if you hear that at a ballpark. I'm not going to get mad at Start Me Up, uh, but that's going to do it for uh, Vinny Duber. We appreciate you joining us from Guaranteed Rate Field. He is the CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. Uh, Vinny, got anything else for us? I got one more thing for you. Ooh. Go listen to the Eric Burden and War cover of Paint It Black, which is, I believe, like the length of an entire album side. So uh, that's <laughs> that's a fun one to hear. Okay, sounds good. I will. Uh, I'll cue that one up. Appreciate it, Vinny. Yes, and did. we will. Uh, spelled it right too. We'll talk to you. It was. It, it helped me out. I, okay. I typed in Eric B, and then it started coming up. But uh, we, him. we will check you out uh, next weekend uh, or next week. And uh, thank you for joining us today. And we'll talk to you uh, next week. Enjoy the weekend. See you guys. Take it easy. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He is the goods. You can our also. Gu- our oh. guy uh, Jimbo said we used to eat canned meat as a kid. Canned meat. Yeah, not canned heat. Can Heat's good, a good song though. Dun, 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 I mean, it's not. No, re- no, no. Yeah, when the song no, comes no, on no, and when Virtual uh, and Sandy yeah, come, yeah, I'm like, yeah. next. I'm good. Rhythm. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help L, us I'll, I'll rock that all the time. Little L's a great song. Dynamite. I haven't heard that one. I can only go Check three deep with you on Jamiroquai songs. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to Seven download Days the- in Sunny June. What? Seven Days in Sunny June is a Jamiroquai song. That's great. And Jamiroquai is a band, not one person. You got any more for us? Uh, Too Young to Die. Yeah. Okay. All right. If you enjoy Jamiroquai trivia, uh, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the Portsbet app. Jack is leaving because I'm naming all these Jamiroquai songs. Sorry, (laughs) Jack. Use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free CHGO. Geo t-shirt when you sign up and deposit $50 with points bet. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we will help you out. And in case you missed it, online signup is available in Illinois. You can download the points bet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book easier than ever. So you could start living your bet life in second. 
It's what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem call 100-522-4700. And we got to talk to you about CHGO. You're watching the live stream right now. Those job, are numb. free for people. What's up? Um, he, Herb just looks numb at this point. Are you feeling numb? I'm not. That's a great song by you, you too, by the way. Are you comfortably numb? No. That's an okay song by Pink Floyd. No, I'm not I, a huge Pink Floyd guy. It's, <laughs> it's a better uh, U2 song. That one's off uh, Zuropa, right? I think so. It's uh, The Edge singing instead of uh, Bono. Bono sings the hook. He's got uh, Van Diemen's Land. That one's a, a real good one. I, I like uh, listening to, to, to Edge By sing. the way, you know another Jamiroquai song yeah, if, you, if you remember the Ask Curb uh, open. That song is all right. Oh, I don't. I don't know the the Ask Herb open. You didn't do that enough when you came oh, back. All right. So That's I didn't. A song called. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't get to. Oh, Jimbo, get out of here. Stop it. You two is not the worst. It's, there are much worse bands like Pink Floyd. It's trendy to say you two two is the worst, but still haven't found one I'm looking for. Comes on. Come on. Come on. Just play Joshua Tree. Uh, if you Sunday want to, Bloody Sunday. Come on now. <laughs> uh, if you want to ride in the name of love. Stop it, Jimbo. I mean, you could, I mean, I, I'd go to 1984. I would go to, uh, what's the song? Now I can't even think of the song name. Great. Uh, Bad? Uh, Bad's a fantastic one. Bad's a killer song. Uh, Stand still. N- uh, n- Red Hill Mining Town's great. You're just naming Joshua Tree right now. That's our- which is fine, but I- I'm looking for a real one. Off the Unforgettable unforget- Fighter, uh, uh, some, um, so, a sort of homecoming. That song rips. Bono's voice at like four minutes, insane. Come on, Jimbo. I thought, we were, I thought we were the same. U2 is not the, liking U2 is a, so it's a breaker. KPW I don't like with it. here. This is a bad series for KPW. KPW calling a six-inning shutout for Daniel oh. Lynch and then saying U2 is more fancy is a more fancy nickelback. Stop it, man. You're showing your age, KPW. Uh, if you want to support CHGO, Damn you get the podcasts and live shows uh, on every team every day and the post-game shows for free, but if you want premium written content, you can become a member at allchgo.com. You will get a free t-shirt when you become a member. You can go check out all of our dope merch at the CHGO Locker, and you can join the members-only Discord. We call it the CHGO Lounge, where you can talk to all of us CHGO personalities. So when you become a member at allchgo.com, you get premium written content like Vinny Duber's game recap for today's loss, the free t-shirt when you become a member, and the members-only Discord. Uh, we call that the CHGO Lounge. Jimbo said the best thing ever was Sing 2. That Bono ever did was Sing 2. Steven, can you block Jimbo? I understand that he is a member. Can we block him? We have a timeout button I could use. Oh, Please, let's, have we ever used that out before? We've used it one time. On how, the how long does the timeout last? I think it's 15 minutes. Mm, that's too long the for show. Him. Yeah, the show's almost over. Yeah, uh, you you, you escaped today, Jimbo. All right. Uh, what graphics do we have left, Steven? Because I'm, I'm The 201. Oh, we have the 201? All right, well, let's talk about this. The White Sox and 2-0 counts. Uh, this has been absolutely brutal, and somebody talked about aggression for the Sox, and I think that it was uh, one of the commenters with a black-and-white profile picture just talked about the White Sox being aggressive in the count, and let's talk about that. We already talked about their first strike percentage. It is the highest in the league, 37.2%. The next team is 34.4%, and that aggression is killing the White Sox. We talked about this with Daniel Lynch. Daniel Lynch stayed on the outside of the plate, staying away away from the White Sox power, and then he also put it down and away his slider, staying away from the White Sox bat. That is what pitchers have been doing because the White Sox are not putting those pitchers in danger. They are not putting the pressure on these pitchers. You look at the 3-0 counts across the major leagues. The White Sox are now at the 
bottom with 19 seen. It hasn't been updated after the game, but with one team seeing only one walk and the other one seeing eight, I do think now that the White Sox have less 3-0 counts than the Royals. They were both tied for 19 going into this game. And then 2-0 counts, 2-0 counts, they have 64 the next team is at 76, so almost 10 more 2-0 counts the White Sox have seen, or uh, 10 less 2-0 uh, counts the White Sox have seen than the St. Louis Cardinals. The Sox have seen the least amount of 3-0 counts in the major leagues. And let's go through these stats right here. These are 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022, the Sox on 3-0 counts. Obviously, the plate appearances are going to be wildly different because, yep. you know, you got the, the Mickey Mouse season in 2020, you got two full seasons in 2019 and 2021. But what I want to look at, what I want to show you is the walk rate right there it kind of compares similarly the walk and k rate uh to 2019 so hey that was good that was a good year for the Sox. um i'm sorry 2020 it uh, compares most to 2020 uh 25 walk rate and a 16 k rate uh compares closely to the Sox, but you're not getting enough counts to even draw those walks the walk the white Sox have drawn the least amount of walks in baseball this year with 38 now after andrew vaughn was gifted one and the biggest number that you need to look out here is ISO. So that is slugging percentage minus batting average, and you can see it's .083. Uh, the lowest on that one is 185, and that's right now uh, very close to the isolated power that Andrew Vaughn has. So that's a very good isolated power, 185. I bet you the isolated power of Tim Anderson right now is probably under one. I think Leary Garcia is probably under one. Like That is a very, very horrible number. So the White Sox aren't doing anything when they get 2-0 counts. That's when you're supposed to be punishing hitters, and they are getting no fucking results. If you want to look at where the White Sox are going wrong at the plate, it's their approach. It is garbage. It is not helping them right now. The ball is a factor. The weather is a factor, and they are not looking at it and changing anything that they are doing. It is brutal baseball to watch, and let's go just through this whole game because... Not only was it getting, you know, not only did it start bad, it just got worse and worse and worse uh, throughout the game. So the White Sox, first time through the order, they saw 40 pitches. That's 4.4 pitches per at-bat. That is higher than their season average. Sox, second time through the order, 32 pitches, 3.5 pitches per at-bat. Mm. And then Sox, third time through the order, this was only through, I think, four hitters that I had this, 13 pitches, 3.25 pitches per, per at-bat. They are getting more and more aggressive, and they are pressing more and more as the game gets later and later. And it is a bad and ugly trait. You need composure to win in baseball. You need composure to go the first inning to the nine inning to win the damn game. The White Sox have not been composed this entire season. They don't have an approach, and they are pressing. Tony LaRusse is telling you this. All the players are telling you this. And there needs, there needs to be something that these White Sox players can do to have more fun. Winning does that. And I thought that this win yesterday would have gotten them off this horrible, horrible trend. It has not. It's ugly baseball to watch defensively, hitting, Pitching's been the only thing keeping the White Sox in these games. And then, you know, we have a bad Aaron Bummer moment. We have one bad, you know, Aaron Bummer inning. Maybe he shouldn't have pitched in that inning. But let's look at the options. Did you want Kyle Crick throwing a, a, a slider into the left-handed batter's no. box there? Did you want ever Anderson Severino, who can't find the zone? Nope. Did you want Matt Foster, who got sent down to AAA last year because of his performance? I understand that Aaron Bummer has gotten shot after shot with the White Sox, but it's because he does have good stuff. He, right now, isn't executing. And the That's White Sox problem too. They need Aaron Bummer to be good. They don't need any of the rest of those guys to be good for the White Sox to be successful. And you just spoke about 
The White Sox are making the game easy for their opponents. If you're going to be swinging on first pitch where the ball's not going out of the plate, out of the ballpark, cool. We'll pick the ball up and throw it to first base because we're not making errors as the Kansas City Royals. No. Cool. Please put the ball in place and swing at pitches that are early. And if you're on 2-0, not driving the ball deep and not having power, hitting doubles, then there's no there's no risk there to put the ball just over the plate, and the White Sox don't want to walk, apparently, and the pitchers are saying, okay, cool, right. here's a ball. Okay, Here, cool. here's what we'll Hit do. It. Here's what we'll do. We'll not throw the ball in the middle of the plate, and you won't do anything. I, I, let's go look at uh, where Brad Keller was throwing his pitches today because what you won't see is anything <laughs> in the middle of the plate. <laughs> he stayed outside. He stayed low. He stayed inside. He stayed high. He did not go into the middle of the plate, and that's how he got through that White Sox order so damn easy. Aaron Bummer has not been bad for three years. That is Stop such it. a ridiculous take. It's ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous. It's not Bummer's fault that the team only scored two runs. That is true. It is Bummer's fault that he walked Andrew Benatendi on five pitches. It's his fault that his slider isn't working. He is not executing right now. He has not been bad. That's a brutal meatball take. Let's go to the 10th uh, I mean, inning. 2020 with a sub-1 ERA. Last year, 3-5-1 ERA. And if you look at the, and you look at that 3-5-1 ERA, you look at his FIP, the reason why that FIP, fielding end of pitch, pitching, is lower than his ERA is because he was getting brutal defense behind him as a high ground ball pitcher. And now it really feels like he's pressing to strike everybody out. He's trying to paint pitches, pitches and be perfect because he's afraid of the defense behind him. And he was fine in the first inning with no runners on. You put a runner on second base and he starts walking Andrew Benatendi. He was able to get to uh, Sal Perez and struck him out, but then he walks Carlos Santana and then he strikes out with Junior, which is fantastic, but he's afraid to put balls in play. I think he truly is and that's why he's not attacking the zone or at least that's why he's having difficulty finding his grip because I really do think he's afraid to put it into the zone because not he's a bad pitcher, but he's got a horrible defense behind him. He has the team that has made the most errors defensively this season behind him, and he didn't help him out last year as well. And then here comes the defense again. Is it really, you know, Aaron Bummer's mistake that Reese McGuire didn't catch this ball and Merrifield scores on the pass ball? No. I don't really think so. The White Sox still would have lost 3-2 to two if Kyle Isbell doesn't hit that single to make it 5-2. Is this Aaron Bummer's fault? I really don't think so. No. You look back at the Byron Buxton at-bat, that's his fault. He couldn't get the slider near the plate. That's his fault. And then Byron Buxton, who kills fastballs, sitting on a fastball, took it the opposite field. Bummer needs to be better. Bummer needs to execute better. Bummer needs to stop being so afraid of his defense behind him. I understand why he would be, but that's the reason the White Sox lost the game is because of execution. I don't think he's a bad pitcher. Nope. I would say Matt Foster might be a bad pitcher. I would say Andrew Severino it might be a bad pitcher. They're definitely uh, at least uh, inexperienced. Aaron Bummer is an, is an MLB arm. He would and, be an MLB arm on all 30 teams. Yeah, and Aaron Bummer into the, coming into this year, everybody was saying Hendricks, Graveman, Bummer. You have a nice back into the bullpen. Last year, you talked about it, filmed the independent pitching 296 for Aaron Bummer, even though his ERA was almost a half a run higher because of the poor defense. So, yes, I get it. We're mad at Aaron Bummer because he's not the guy that showed up the last couple of years. 
Well, let's not have statements like well, that. And where also, he's, like he's been bad for the last three years. Aaron Bummer is upset at what he's doing. Vinny Duber just told you that. I don't think Aaron Bummer is happy with what happened today. I do think that Aaron Bummer will be back on the Schneid. Now, hey, maybe we can have the discussion, the smart conversation that Greg's bringing up right now. Does Jose Ruiz, who has been pretty decent this year, get more high leverage chances? Does Tanner Banks, who hasn't given up a run this year, get more opportunities? Tanner Banks isn't being paid you know, for five years over X a, million, X a million amount of dollars like Aaron Bummer is. That's the reason he's not in the game in late innings. It's the socio-political bullshit of baseball that these guys need to be used in certain roles, right? But Tanner Banks right now is performing. They do have a left-hander that is performing. He's been fantastic so far for the White Sox. He's been hitting his location. His stuff isn't nasty like Aaron Bummer, but he's loading up the strike zone with strikes, and he's making sure that the ball are in position where guys aren't able to hit. And this is what we've seen throughout the MLB today. Let's go to the pitching lines. We didn't really talk about Michael Kopech yet today. We've been talking about the poor performances offensively, when talking about Bummer's mistakes, Michael Kopech today gives you five innings, two earned run ball, three hits, three Ks, four walks. The walks were an issue. His control of his breaking balls were an issue. But something that Herb and I notice, whenever he puts it in the zone and the Royals are making contact, sometimes it's loud, but he never really gets damaged by it. The White Sox need to start looking at how they're getting beat. They are putting the ball into play, and it's not going down. It's not falling for a hit. And I understand that we might be afraid of Cleveland or, or, or this bad defense, and we've seen some mistakes here by the White Sox defense. But it's a hell of a lot better than just walking bum-ass hitters. You can't walk 23 guys in a series and expect two to win, two out of three. The White Sox walked 23 Royals in these three games. That is about eight walks a game. And they came in, as Sean said, with the third to, third to the lowest walk rate in Major League Baseball. So they weren't walking before this series. They probably moved up from 28th probably to the top 10 right now because the White Sox were just giving free passes all day long. It's unnecessary. Nobody in that Royals lineup... Currently, even Salvi Perez, in the current conditions and with the ball, are you afraid that they're going to leave? Not at all. No. Like, did they even hit a home run in this series? No. What are we doing? We're walking them 23 times. What are we We're doing? giving them 23 free bases. And you see the good plan they had for Salvador Perez. The good, real strength. Don't pitch him anything really in the zone. He's going to help you out. He's going to strike. Yeah, Sean is real fired up. I like Sean pissed off. I, I don't even want the White Sox to win anymore. I just like your, oh, your let's not say pissed that. off. I, I am much fun. I'm fun too, guys. I'm no, also not. fun. No, I can not. make you laugh. We can have a good time when the White Sox win. No, I'm not. not that much of a bummer. Aaron Bummer might be, but I'm not. Um, there. There he did, Leonard. Leonard was asking, have we worn out the Aaron Bummer uh, jokes yet? You just did it. Oh, yeah. Thank good you. job. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate it. Um Am I missing anything else? Uh, we talked about the 10th I mean, inning. we can talk about the Angels series. It's a wraparound oh. series Friday through Monday. Duh. Uh, well, let's, I, I, I'm I, real good. I think I did have more Kopech stats. Do I have any more Kopech stats, Stephen? Okay, let's go to the final Kopech stats, and let's get to he the, wasn't the pitching good today. matchup. I, I say he wasn't good today. No, so these are his release points uh, game by game. So this is the Detroit game. Um, and as you could see, you know, he, he really had a rough outing. This was his first outing. As you could see, those dots really aren't together right the, the what you really want to look for with release points is them being consistent them being able to be repeatable especially with Kopech being so big he does have some really difficult mechanics and something that he did look uh, today comf more comfortable was uh pitching out of the stretch you know you simplify the mechanics I thought he looked better pitching out of the stretch uh let's go to we can skip the other two st starts and let's just go to uh today's. today's start so you can see 
it's all over the place. And especially you want to look at those sliders really low out of that cluster. You see the, the curveballs higher up. You see the, the fastball over to the right. You need this to be a little bit tighter. And that's where Kopech can, can change. I mean, that's just mechanical things. He's being a little, he's releasing the ball a little bit too early. It's coming into right-handed hitters. His fastball plays. He just needs to find a consistent release point. And once he does that, I think he'll find a consistent release point for a slider. He'll find a consistent release for his curveball. And once the, the weather warms up, that fastball that was sitting at 94 will jump up to 96, 97. And that slider should, he should have more of a grip on it. And we should see more swings and misses out of it. But still, getting five innings pitched with a one-pitch pitcher, fantastic stuff from, from Kopech. It's not only good for his command and control. These guys who are facing him have superior eyesight. They can see that you're throwing your ball from a different arm slot. Okay, here comes a slider. He can't get it over. I'm going to lay off. Because this slider's filthy. It's got it's got great movement. But if you're throwing it at a lower arm slot or you're throwing it from a different slot than your fastball, they're just going to lay off. They know they can't hit it even if it is um, in the middle of the plate. So, yes, once he cleans that up, I think Michael Kopech will be a little better. He's fighting. Like, we went, I went to the game where he pitched 25 pitches in the first inning and then battled back and got a good victory. Today, I don't think that was the same. He was just all over the place, couldn't find his release point, and they're making excuses for him all the time. It's cold. He's from Texas. All that stuff. He knew he was playing for the fucking White Sox. Yeah. I don't, whatever you need to do to get warm, to get yourself together, do it. Like, his ball was running from inside out. So, to right-handers, is running right inside. It's like, so just make the small mechanical adjustment, throw the ball over the plate, and get some and- outs. As we said... They're not hitting the ball hard. They're not hitting it over the plate. You have superior stuff. Even though your fastball is only 94, they weren't doing anything with it. Yeah, and I don't want to kill him because I do think that this is something that he needs to learn. He's not a starter yet. He's still learning how to become a starter. And he threw 30 pitches in that first inning, still got through five. And we were looking for him to at least give five or six. He did that. And he battled with one pitch today. I think that White Sox fans really need to be happy about that because he will have his slider at some point. He will have his curveball, this new fixed curveball uh, that Pine Tar Keyboard wrote about uh, for Baseball Perspectives. Like, he will come back and start having these big strikeout moments. But honestly... I love seeing this. He didn't have his stuff. He still fought. He still battled. And he looked like a starting pitcher today. I really do think that, you know, the the, the wow eye-popping numbers will start coming. And I think that he'll probably clean up these sloppy first innings. But overall, I really can't be mad at, at what we saw. And 94 pitches, too. 94 pitches for Kopech is huge. And you saw the Royals helped him out. The guy was struggling with his command and control in the first inning. The Royals just went up there and hit, tried to hit in the, in the second inning. The first pitch, Michael A. Taylor just grounds it into the ground. Like, you can't see what's going on in the game. They're trying to help you out. And uh, he got out of that inning with, I think, only nine pitches thrown in the second inning. So, if they're going to give you it, take it. All right. We got people talking about Ozzie Guillen as the manager. So, that means we should wrap up this podcast. Boom. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Got to thank Vinny Duber for joining us, the CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can check out all of his work at allchgo.com. Feel free to become a member. We'd love to have you. Have you join the CHGO Lounge, our members-only Discord, and you get a cool-ass shirt when you sign up. So, definitely go check out Vinny's work at allchgo.com and follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. That is Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He is the CHGO White Sox community leader. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Uh, I like seeing that better from Edgar, right? Sean and Herb for manager. No, I put us in, No, put us in the uniforms. We I, look great in those uniforms. I've never played professional baseball, so I could not be a manager. Hey, 13's uh, not retired yet, and that's my number. So I can, I can go in, 
wear that for Ozzy and uh, you know just be like Gian uh, managing the team if I'm if I'm in there. I have tickets this weekend to the games. I'm so disgusted with the teams. I'm gonna give them away to somebody who wants them in the. Discord. You're not going at all. Oh, I'm not going. I might get, go if somebody doesn't take the Saturday one. They have this hockey jersey for the White Sox or hockey sweater. Sorry, hockey fans. It's, it's fine. And I'll go and get that and turn my ass right back around and go home. Because <laughs> I would want to go and see Mike Trout and Otani, but also, no. You get one hell of a pitching matchup tomorrow, Lucas Giolito versus Noah Syndergaard. That should be a fantastic series. It's a four-game series. We will next join you on Sunday for the pregame show. We'll have a Sunday pregame show for the Angels game. We'll have a Monday pregame show for the Angels game. We'll also have a postgame show for both of those games as well. Lucas Giolito versus Noah Syndergaard is the matchup tomorrow. The Sox need to stop stopper. Lucas Giolito has been fast, fantastic, so we will see how he performs Are we tomorrow lose for the, the Sox. All four, Sean? I think they, I think they go three and one. I have to stay optimistic because if I don't, I'll die. Rustic I mean, Cole, everything I mean, is going to be okay, maybe I mean, not soon, but eventually. We're all going to die, but, you know, <laughs> we probably all not from... will die uh, at one point. So before you do, make sure you listen to the 1979 album uh, by Fleetwood Mac, Tusk, and we will see you next week. Sean Go Sox. Salt.